0: welcome everybody i'm richard Krause. a little bit later on on the show we're going to get to some of the hot button topics of the week like why country music needs to stand up about gun control and we're going to do that with my panel first though it's time to shamelessly plug my tv show saturday nights at 8 30 on the ctv news channel sunday afternoon at 2 30 on the ctv news channel the show's called pop life it's a talk show imagine Bill Maher, only without the politics. It's all about popular culture. This week, Chris Colfer joins us. Chris Colfer uh, you'll recognize from Glee, but he's also a best-selling author who literally is selling books by the crate load, by the boat load right now. Uh, he's uh, specializing in young adult fiction, and uh, he's, he's an interesting guy to talk to. We talked about fan fiction. So, When he began his career as a writer, he started writing fan fiction about movies and television shows that he really admired. When he became a star on Glee, all of a sudden people are writing fan fiction about him. This is what he had to say about it. You must have had some odd fan fiction written about you during the Glee years. Was there anything that really struck you as being very odd? Anything you can tell oh us? Oh gosh, television? it
1: was all so odd. I never <laughs> went looking for it. Let me right. let me just say I never went looking right. for it, but I did have some people send me. I, there was this one where I gave birth to a litter of kittens. <laughs> I'm not sure where they came out of me, but I, <laughs> and that was that. I mean, I don't know if it gets stranger than that.
0: That's Chris Colfer. If you want to hear the entire interview with him, and it's interesting stuff, uh, talking about uh, presenting interesting and layered portraits of LGBTQ youth on television and in his books and lots of other stuff. Uh, Tune in, Pop Life, Saturday night, 8.30 on the CTV News Channel 230 on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Join us for that. Right now, though, it is my pleasure to welcome into the studio uh, the cast, most of the cast, Hmm. Three quarters of the cast, probably more than that, I don't know what the percentage is, of Great, Great, Great. Great, Great, Great is uh, a movie that you're going to be able to catch starting Friday, October 6th in Toronto, Ottawa, Winnipeg, and Whitby. Uh, And then later on, if you're not in one of those places, you'll be able to see it on VOD or it will expand and come to uh, a theatre near you. Um, Please help me welcome Sarah uh, Kolsky. Kolaski. Kolaski. So I knew close. it. Yeah, so see, close, I Virginia. told you I was going <laughs> to mangle it. Kolaski. Uh, she plays Lauren in the film. We've got Daniel Byrne and Richard Clarkin. This is a relationship drama uh, about a couple that's been together for some time. And then things sort of take a little bit of a, a, a sideways twist. And I don't want to give away too much. I don't know how mm. much we're giving away when um, your character um, gets a new workmate.
1: Uh, Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, At the start of the film, um, I find out that my new boss at my job is um, someone that uh, I know from my past, uh, and it's not really revealed at the start what exactly are shared history is but you know that something went
0: on there and you're one of the writers yes I co- uh, of the show
1: mm-hmm. um yeah I co-wrote it with uh, a really good friend of mine Adam Garnet Jones who also directed it and we're longtime collaborators mm-hmm. we've been making films together for almost 15 years yeah
0: and tell me where this idea came from
1: sure um so a- Adam and I had both been in long-term relationships in our 20s that had ended, and uh, we found that our friends in our age range, like around age of 30, were um, either getting married or ending their long-term relationships. It seemed to be this kind of thing that was all happening at the same time, and we felt we hadn't seen a story um, about that um, uh, told in a film before, So, because most films are about the beginning or the end of a relationship, but we wanted to explore that uncertain middle ground where you're not sure whether you should commit for long term or just blow everything up.
0: Yeah, it's the idea I think there and there's a line and I'll paraphrase it in the mm-hmm. thing where you say something like, you know, you're looking you look ahead to the future and you think, "Do I want to be here? Mm-hmm. Is this where I want to be?" And mm-hmm. I think anyone that's been in a long-term relationship has probably thought about that at yeah. some time or another.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting uh, look at this. Uh, the movie is called Great Great Great. We're going to tell you all about it from each of the perspectives of the three different actors uh, as we get a little bit uh, further on into the show. But you can see this uh, right now, this weekend in Toronto, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Whitby, and uh, you're doing Q&As in Toronto. And so if people want to come out and Mm -hmm. and see you, see the movie and and hear you talk about it, where can they do that?
1: Yeah, we will be doing Q&As at the Carlton Cinema in Toronto at the 9 p.m. screenings on Friday and Saturday. So, I guess if you're listening to this on Saturday night, we might be doing the Q&A at the, <laughs>
0: that exact. Time. You may be. You know what? we like to have people feel like they're missing out on things. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> but
1: please it'll be a, yeah, playing until the the 12th at the Carlton at least, so please come out and, and see it. The rest yeah,
0: of week. I you know, and before we move on, uh, this movie really uh struck a, a bunch of chords for me and and one of them was that it feels uh, real to me when i was watching this the the dynamics between uh lauren and tom the two main characters uh played by Sarah and daniel sarah and daniel really struck me as real they're messy mm-hmm. they're not always clear what mm-hmm. the motives are and i think Uh, again anyone who's you know been in any kind of relationship understands that it's not always just black and white or cut and dried.
1: Exactly especially when you've been with someone that long you sort of fallen into patterns with them and you you want the thing to work like you you're in love with this person still but then you see all these other possibilities and you're unsure. Well and it feels like
0: the patterns get disrupted and Mm -hmm. again I'm not going to give away too much but Tom is unemployed Mm -hmm. and and looking for work but unsuccessfully Mm -hmm. and so he's around a little bit more Mm -hmm. than usual (laughs) and and i think again these are all things that and and you know uh these are all things that that add up to um uncomfortable situations and relationships Or exactly Yeah. yeah all right so earlier this week it's been a pretty heavy week and so earlier this week there was a mass shooting in las vegas uh 50 or more people confirmed dead 500 shot and it has brought up the idea of gun control again. And I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this because it's being debated just absolutely everywhere. Um, and the gun control debate is, for this show anyway, something that, that I don't think we're gonna delve into too much. But a lot of country artists now are coming out and saying, you know what, I've, I've rethought this. I've, I've rethought my position on guns because uh, of this terrible event that happened. And I wonder how much good that will do I wonder how much we care about what celebrities think about current events. And Richard, I'll start with you. Do you care if George Clooney comes out and and makes a political statement or any kind of statement? Does it seem to have more weight to you because he's famous, or or is it just that he has a larger megaphone than everybody?
2: Well, uh, clearly he has a larger megaphone than everybody, and there's a long, honorable tradition of um, people in the popular culture stepping up and stating their opinion. And sometime, sometimes it's for self-gain. Other times I think their, their motives are genuine. And I personally feel there's a rich history in the an honorable history in, in country musicians stepping up. Uh, some of the old guard like Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, mm-hmm. Chris Christofferson, um, Steve Earle, they made their political views known and they were kind of outlaws in a way. And then you have new country, and new country is driven by numbers and sales, and there's very narrow confines th- through which those artists operate. And I don't think they want to necessarily risk their reputations, um, but I'm, I'm um, happy to see some of them stepping forward and carrying on the tradition. Daniel? Daniel?
3: Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a great point. I mean, um, I think it takes people in this kind of um, inner position to often uh, be uh, a voice of change uh, for situations like this because, um, you know, a lot of people who are usually proponents of gun control are maybe not um, uh, willing to listen to... Uh, people who aren't on their quote side or whatever right. and so um, even if even if these new, new country artists are sort of you know driven by economics or whatever and maybe aren't or um, are, are maybe on a disguise of some kind uh, I think they, they do um, occupy a, this sort of place of trust and um, so uh, if they can affect change positive change with that uh, position then I think it's a, a very positive thing mm-hmm. Sir.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with um, Dan and Richard. I think, I mean, yeah, the question, do I care what George Clooney thinks well, about it? Well, I mean, country? do you get upset? I mean, I've had
0: yeah. people come to me, after Meryl Streep made her speech at the Golden Globes, mm. uh, people were kind of outraged, sitting in the studio next to us when we were live on the air. People were saying, why is she using this as a venue to, you know, uh, to vent her own personal feelings? It's an award show. She should just be quiet. My position on it is that, she pays taxes. Mm-hmm. She is politically engaged. What, uh, she, and, and so why wouldn't she yeah, exactly. use her voice? What
1: are you assuming? She's an actor, so she's dumb. So she shouldn't have an opinion. Like, yeah, uh, uh, yeah I find that very insulting. Um, so yeah, if you have something to say. I mean, I, obviously, I'm biased. I'm for gun control. So if someone is voicing that opinion, then I'm going to support that. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Trump's White House, is it a gift or a curse to TV comics? We won't get all the way through through this one in the amount of time we have left. But, you know, at the beginning of the campaign, it seemed like this was going to be a boon for uh, comics. And, and in some ways, it has been. Saturday Night Live has seen a spike in ratings. Alec Baldwin just won an award for playing Donald Trump on, on Saturday Night Live. Uh, the late-night comics were were really uh, having a lot of fun with him. But now that things are serious, now that things have, have turned... Uh, a a real corner, I think, in terms of his presidency. Um, It seems like maybe they've backed off a little bit, only in the sense that it's hard to poke fun at something that's so outrageous. And when we come back, we're out of time for this segment. When we come back, I'm going to pick that up with my panel. They are uh, the cast members uh, of a film called Great, Great, Great. It's a relationship drama that explores... uh, what happens when you've been together for a long time, I'm speaking around this so I don't give anything away, what <laughs> happens when you've been together for a long time and outside forces come and kind of disrupt the complacency that you may be feeling and it makes uh, the the main character, Lauren, played by uh, Sarah Kolaski, who joins us in studio, um, rethink Things a little bit and think about things in a different way. Uh, you can see it in Toronto, you can see it in Ottawa, Winnipeg, and Whitby this weekend. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. In studio, we have the cast of Great, Great, Great. It's playing in Toronto right now, uh, Ottawa, Winnipeg, and Whitby as well. Uh, go see this movie. It's a really interesting character study about what happens in a relationship when people get too comfortable, and then a disruptive force comes along. And uh, Go see it. I'm not going to tell you anything more about it than that. We'll discuss. We've we've discussed it already. <laughs> I don't want to give away too much because even though it's um, it, it seems fairly straightforward, I think it's a, a complicated movie uh, in terms of the kinds of relationships that it shows. And I think by sometimes and uh, uh, Sarah Kalaski is here. Uh, she plays Lauren in the film. And And also co-wrote it, produced it. There's a long list of credits here that goes along with great, great, great for Sarah. But uh, for me, I found the character frustrating by times as well, because I don't even think she believed her motives from time to time or not, maybe that's or she didn't understand her motives from exactly, time to
1: time exactly yeah she's just sort of going from one thing to another. why am I
0: doing this I can't seem to stop myself but why am I doing this
1: yeah I think fear is a big driver for her so she is scared of, of making the wrong choice she doesn't want to make the wrong choice so she doesn't make a choice yeah. <laughs> she pursues um, uh, an engagement with her boyfriend um, and as well as an affair yeah. with her boss so um, she's just uh, yeah, afraid of making the wrong choice, so she's trying to keep
0: all these balls in the air, Daniel, tell us a little bit about Tom uh Tom uh you and Lauren in the film have been together for five years, mm-hmm. you're looking for work kind of unsuccessfully, and you're spending your day making Lego. You're an urban planner, and you're spending your day kind of practicing that via Lego in the house, I uh-huh. guess.
3: Yeah, um what really attracted me to the character was uh the idea of someone like you say earlier being on autopilot just kind of like um just kind of in this relationship that is going ahead and all that all that he is interested in is that it go forward. Right. Um or or rather you know, go forward in a very slow and steady way. Um and I think he's just not very aware of um uh What's going on in the relationship, but also perhaps himself, and uh, that was what attracted to me uh, attracted me to the role was was this idea of um, of uh, just trying to uh, get through the day and not <laughs> and not um, necessarily uh, um, see the reality of what's going on around him for what it is.
0: Yeah, and he he struck me again like someone who was grasping, you know, at just anything just to make the day go by. You know, mm-hmm. to make, to, to yeah. get through that day and hopefully get another one that's better than the last one.
2: Yeah.
3: And and it's something that, uh, that resonated with me in terms of like, that may have been a person that I was before. and uh... I guess it's a person a lot of us have been before. That's yeah. the thing. And yeah. again,
0: and when I was talking about the movie being relatable in a lot of ways, I think that, you know, everyone has highs and lows in their lives. And, and I recognized a lot of the behaviors in this film. Mm-hmm. And that makes it uh, like you know Jimmy Fallon and Donald Trump makes it relatable. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Sure. <laughs> so Google and Facebook helped spread bad information after the Las Vegas attack. So I don't know why we're surprised that social media might not possibly have the you know 100 accurate uh, information uh, going out there. But there was a lot of it, and a lot of it wasn't right. And of course, you know, the more people hear about it, the more They begin to accept things just as fact because, well, I read it on, I read it on my Facebook. It must be true. So there's that. Then Donald or uh, Donald Trump, um, Tom Petty passes away and we hear that he's dead. Then we hear that he's not dead. Then we hear that he's dead. It's being reported by Reuters. So there was a lot of false information being spread around the internet this week. And I just kept thinking, what news source do we trust now? Where should we get our news? Richard, what news source do you look forward to?
2: Oh, boy. Well, I don't spend a lot of time online. Uh, I I, I will look at... Um, you have
0: kids, though. Do they? Or are they not... They, they don't spend a,
2: a heck of a lot of time online, to my knowledge. Uh, you know, they... Comparatively to some other kids I know... Uh, I've had less to worry about as a parent. They're yeah. 16 and 19 now, right. and, you know, they're, they're not big hanging out online. Um, you know, there's various sources out there, and people just need to find what what works for them. And um, ultimately, people believe what they want to believe. And I just want to say, I saw Tom Petty a couple months ago, yes. and he was one of my favorites. I'd seen him in concert many times. He put on an amazing show in early July in Canada, in New York. I went with my wife. She was blown
0: away. And and, uh, uh, rest in peace, Tom Petty. Well, he just played on September 25th three shows at the Hollywood... Uh, bowl mm-hmm. and there were more pl- shows planned for november and you know it working really at 66 years old at the top of his game
2: absolutely yeah he was fantastic and his band
0: was great and he his voice was in great form those shows too i really think uh showcased i didn't see the shows but i watched part of them online mm-hmm. and those shows showcased how great the songs are they are yeah. simple but lyrically complex they are catchy they are heartfelt like it's it's real like american rock and roll
2: yeah you see a tom petty show and there'll be 25 songs and you you've heard them all before and then you leave the concert you realize oh there's 15 more that he didn't do that were hits that were great songs uh and there's great variety in in the performance yeah, I love
0: them. It was really interesting. We're almost out of time here, so I'll continue talking about Tom Petty, and I'll come back to you guys in, in a sec. But Tom Petty, for me, uh, when he passed away, when I first heard the news, I thought, oh, he's only 66, this can't be, you know, all those things, like when David Bowie died or when Prince died or something like that. But then the outpouring on social media of people that were fans uh, is really touching to see. I mean, I really forget sometimes how... Music and art and everything else touches people's lives in a way, and and the effect it has on people's lives. And I think you see that when something like Tom Petty passing happens, you see people all of a sudden coming out and saying, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like that guy got me through some very hard times," or it's the soundtrack of my youth, or whatever it is. But you you are reminded of the power of of art.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, his his uh, music was a soundtrack to a lot of people's lives, including mine. And, uh,
0: you know, he's he's not to be forgotten. There is no better song than running down a dream. Mm-hmm. So my guests in studio today are the actors from Great, Great, Great. It's playing in Toronto, Ottawa, Winnipeg, and Whitby right now. Uh, you can uh, see it there. Eventually, it'll go to VOD. It'll come to a theater near you. And keep an eye open for it because it's a really interesting look at what happens in a too-comfortable relationship. Stay with us. When we come back, there's more. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. Joining me in studio, we have the cast of great, 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 Sarah Kowalski.
1: Yes, Yay. got it. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Uh, she uh, plays Lauren in the film. This is a character who is in a long-term relationship with Tom, played by Daniel Byrne, who joins us. And things are disrupted when an old flame, played by Richard Clarkin, who also joins us, uh, steps into the picture. Mm -hmm. And uh, really, it's about disrupting relationships. It's about thinking about where you want to be. I kept thinking, as I was Mm -hmm. watching this film, I kept thinking about this character and thinking about five years from now and what her life would be like. Because Uh, That's what she's thinking. I think.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think she's been in uh, yeah a comfortable relationship for about five years, and so at the top of the film, the first scene, her parents announce that they're getting a divorce.
0: After like decades of being in, but it's funny, they're still going to live in the same house, though, yeah. but yeah. they're getting a divorce. Is that something based on, do you know? No.
1: No, <laughs> no that was something, when we were <laughs> writing, I think that was a scene that Adam wrote, and right. as soon as I read it, I was like, brilliant, yeah. we're keeping it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And people always laugh at it. It's.
0: Yeah, I really like it. So tell me then, you know, about a a film like this and about the idea of this people are in comfortable relationships and sometimes, and Richard, do you think relationships can be too comfortable? Lauren's character clearly is thinking into the future, which would suggest to me that she's not in the moment. She's not in the relationship Mm -hmm. really anymore.
2: Yeah, I I do think relationships can become uh, too complacent and I, I think it's really important that, you know, both people in the relationship do their best to keep things lively and to shake things up, whatever that means for them. And, um,
1: uh, you know... In, what in the... does that mean, Richard? What's that? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> shake well, things up. <laughs> you know,
2: it can mean anything from what happens in the bedroom to travel to... Taking on new self-improvement projects. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we're all resistant to change, and we we all can become complacent. And um, uh, I think you got to keep things lively. You got to you got to be checking in with each other and supporting each other.
3: Mm-hmm. And and I think that can come from like points of disagreement as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I what what I would call like rupture and repair where you just, like, have a disagreement or a break of some kind and come together again in a different way. Um, so it's not all—it's not necessarily always, like, a positive change, but you, like, go through something together to find a different way to connect.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that can be a way well, to do it. Well, it's funny you say rupture. People think that disagreements, or can think that disagreements are like, oh, my God, we're fighting, it's terrible. And I think that that's not necessarily the case. I think a certain amount of conflict has to happen, Because we're people.
1: Yeah. I think that's part of the problem in in Lauren and Tom's relationship. They're both um, very afraid to rock the boat. They don't want to have a fight. They don't want to have any kind of conflict. Um, And so they're they're both still trying to figure out how to be in this relationship, even though it's been five years.
0: I think that failure is something, too, that people undervalue as a learning tool. And so mm-hmm. in terms of, of a relationship, I mean, failed relationships, I mean, you learn something from them. Mm-hmm. But within a relationship, if you are fighting or if you have disagreements and that kind of thing, the idea that you lose one of those arguments isn't crushing to me. You know, for yeah. me, I've always thought, well, what 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 have I learned from this? What can I take away yeah, from, yeah, I think from as long, that?
1: Yeah, as long as you can come back together and, and understand keep communicating and um, yeah, and, and the relationship grows from you, uh, from each person learning something new about the other person. Um, yeah, I really like those moments.
0: The movie is called Great, Great, Great. Uh, it's playing in Toronto, Ottawa, Winnipeg, and Whitby right now. Uh, go see it. it um, I really like this movie. I liked uh, that it is a naturalistic yet really complex look at a relationship that Um, isn't easy to figure out. And it's not always easy to figure out the motives behind everyone's... Well, Richard Clarkin, it's kind of easy to figure out your (laughs) motives in the film. (laughs) Beyond that, though, it's a little little harder to figure out the motives of everybody, just like in real life. Mm -hmm. So it's called Great, Great, Great. Go uh, have a look at it. Now, before we left uh, for the last break, we were talking about Trump in the White House. And whether it's a curse or a boon for uh, TV comics, I think it's a bit of both. I think that the South Park people saying we're not going to use Trump in any way because he's fallen into self-parody and there's nothing more we can do with it. Richard, are you tired of people commenting on, on Trump uh, in a humorous way because it takes away perhaps some of the serious edge of what we should be thinking about? Or is comedy a way of shining a light on on this presidency
2: well i don't think comedy can ignore um the the uh, trump presidency but i do think that he, i agree with the south park people that his outrageousness is uh, self-parody enough um and i can, uh, it, it, it's a strange time in the united states where um a whole raft of comics are, uh, you know, it, has it come to this? It's, it's, our material is actually being usurped by yeah. the, the guy president. himself. Yeah. Yeah. So,
3: yeah, and I think, uh, I think what you see is you see certain people who were traditionally in a sort of full on comic mode going into a kind of serious mode like right. like Jimmy Kimmel um you know he this is like his second or third sort of tear-filled rant that he's gone on there's healthcare and then there was gun control this week and it's like because of these because a lot of these comedians are typically very intelligent and so it's like well i can use this intelligence in a serious way as well and that actually what you were saying earlier richard about a long tradition i think there is a long tradition of like comedians going serious but i think you're seeing it more now because it's it's a viable option in comparison to constant satire
0: and sarah
1: um yeah i definitely i agree i honestly i um avoid listening to a lot of the news about Trump because I just find it very difficult to um, just uh, not become extremely angry. Right. Um, Yeah, especially as a woman. I'm very happy to be in Canada, and I I check in on the news, but I I try not to let it consume me.
0: Do you think that Jimmy Fallon And this is something that's being leveled against him because he tends to be a little bit lighter in his approach to everything than Stephen Colbert or some of the others. And certainly Jimmy Kimmel these days. And so he has Trump on and he musses up his hair. He says, I got to see whether this hair is real or not. He musses up his hair. And immediately people started saying, you're normalizing him. You're making him look like a human being. And he, when Trump got elected, Kimmel, or uh, Jimmy Fallon got a lot of blowback. And I think in an unwarranted way. Should he have mussed up Donald Trump's hair? Probably not. But <laughs> I, in terms of normalizing him and making him, you know, uh, an electable, uh, feel-good candidate, I don't think that that uh, had anything to do with it, uh, really.
3: No, I think, you, they, uh, I think they made an example of him in that yeah. situation mm-hmm. because I think that's a thing that happens a lot. People do... Um, sort of go a bit subservient in order to uh, curry favor or to uh, make sure their piece or their show goes smoothly yeah, yeah. because they don't, you know. And you know, I, uh, I could, uh, you know, ha- being a comedian myself, I could see myself, um, I could see that happening to me. Right. You know, where you do something that is like, "Why well, I wouldn't normally do that," and and then uh, here you are at the end having done that. And so I think it was like this represents that kind of choice, and we need to reject that and so yeah i think he i think he did um endure undue uh criticism um but still necessary criticism well
0: it's interesting because i think that people were just so uh, excited about finding a reason why Trump got elected right. that they will well, look at Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon's got a huge audience and look what he did. Yeah. And, you know, now we're going to blame him for this. Yeah. And and I really do. I, I, I think we have to take a step back and sort of look beyond that. I think those shows can have uh, a, a great ability to change things. I think that Jimmy Kimmel's really heartfelt rants rants or or monologues have been uh, effective and effectively made some really interesting points, but I don't think that Jimmy Kimmel mussing up Donald Trump's hair got him elected. When we come back... (laughs) Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon got him, uh, got him, uh, got Donald Trump elected. When we come back, we're going to continue talking with the cast of Great, 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 uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about getting uh, a movie, a small relationship drama made in this country. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. In studio, we have the cast of great, great, great. We've got uh, Sarah Kalaski. She plays Lauren in the film, a woman who's having a hard time reconciling where she is in her life and where she wants to be in five or 10 years. Daniel Byrne is here. He is her boyfriend, Tom. He's also having a hard time just reconciling where he wants to be right now in his life. And then Richard Clarkin is here. He plays the disruptive force. And Richard, tell me a little bit about uh, what you thought when you first saw this script.
2: Well, uh, I really liked what I saw. Um from a selfish point of view, um, it's it's rare when I get cast as a, a love interest, and uh, to be working with someone as as lovely as Sarah, oh, thank um, you, <laughs> certainly was a big draw for me. And um, it's it's interesting to play a kind of force that that, that comes into. A person's life and uh, David is um, he kind of cuts to the chase and he he really likes Lauren um, but there is there is something animal and and um, electric between them on a, a sexual level I guess you could say and and
0: I um, I was very interested in, in seeing how that would play out. Well, of the three main characters, there are other characters in the film, but of the three main characters, your character is the only one who isn't really confused about what he wants and where he wants to be.
2: No, and, and um, he's, he's very clear-eyed, and he may not be, from an audience point of view, the most sympathetic character, but he does really want to make a life with her, and he makes his needs known. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: you're really the only one in the film who explicitly states what they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone else is kind of confused.
0: <laughs> and and could it be? And I don't know. Is this a comment on? Because uh, you know it's radio, so you can't tell. But you know, you're a little bit older than mm-hmm. the other mm-hmm. character, and and so is that a function of age? Is that a function of someone who is you know a little bit? Older, perhaps, been around the block a couple of more times, and and understands more what they want. Do you think you're as one of the co-writers, Sarah? Then what yeah, do you it's think?
1: been interesting. Um, it's been interesting seeing people's reaction to the film. We've only had uh, a few festival screenings so far, but during the Q and A's, we find that there's this um, difference uh, generationally in, in how people view the film. Typically, people in their twenties and thirties are much more cynical towards the characters <laughs> and they're like, oh, they're never going to stay together. And then, uh, yeah, people in their 50s and 60s uh, who just have more life experience uh, are usually more optimistic and uh, I don't want to ruin what happens at the end or yeah. anything, but um, but, but yeah, it's been really interesting to talk to people because they're like, no, the people in their 50s and 60s are um, usually um, the ones who say, no, you know, they're just going through this bump in their relationship. They're really going to be in it together. They learn more e- about each other. They've, they're growing. Growing together, um, it's just making the relationship stronger. Yeah.
3: And I think one thing in terms of like what what a character wants, and it being a difference of age, um, I think there's also just something about an issue of attraction. I think it's very attractive when someone knows what they want and states mm-hmm. what they want, right, right, right. and so that can be just this thing that draws them together. Is yes, the age is a is a factor in terms of maybe coming to know what you want, but also just you can be confident and you can be clear-minded I think at any age and I think that just can be quite compelling to someone
0: to anyone really, but maybe especially to someone who doesn't know what they want.
1: Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. All right, that dovetails rather nicely into one of the other topics here. Women are 50% more likely to trust a man who cries. They also like men who bake and dance. (laughs) Where are you getting these stats? This this is a study... Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) No, this was actually a fairly large study uh, done out of a university in England. And, you know, listen... Uh, you know, I've been with my wife for a very long time mm-hmm. and I cry, and I'm also a pretty good baker. So oh, I think that's, well, you know, in terms of ahead. times a week, how many times crying, how many <laughs> times baking? Very rarely on baking, loads on cooking. Okay. I, I yeah. like cooking more mm-hmm. than baking, although oh. I can bake. And yeah. crying, I don't know. Once every hour, yeah. something strikes me. Yeah. A single, so wait, we're, we're just once a an cry. hour, a single yeah. tear yeah. Yeah. comes down my face. Yeah. and I count it as crime? Yeah, well, you know, it's a tear. Uh, but uh, but the, the point of the story that grabbed my eye is that they said that these are non-masculine behaviors in men that women find attractive. And that's something that I thought was kind of interesting and probably not correct. The the yeah. fact that those
3: behaviors are masculine or non masculine like I just don't yeah I just, no that's I sh- what well the, yeah. they're
0: being they're said they're they're being called non masculine so yeah. uh, I just reject that baking mm-hmm. dancing and and uh, crying are mm-hmm. non masculine behaviors apparently that that to
3: me is that that to me like undermines the credibility of the study mm-hmm. yeah. to call to call the idea of cre- crying non masculine yep. is just like well you've lost me <laughs> I don't know. Like you, your definition of masculine is different than mine, then.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a study that may have been done in 1955. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I thought
2: the the big thing that women loved about men was a sense of humor. I thought that was kind of a, oh, absolutely. a real yeah. that's draw. My, that's my yeah?
1: top thing. Yeah, And
3: to, and to yeah. bake while joking is just the
1: best. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You've and got if you
2: can yeah. dance and, you know. Dance, bake, and yeah. tell yeah. a
3: joke. Yeah. Imagine um, you were to yeah. say that joking were masculine
0: quality. I don't know. But it also says here. Let me continue. Okay. <laughs> it also says here that uh, they, along with baking, hobbies like dancing and painting, have the most sex appeal.
3: Yeah, like Jackson Pollock, that you know, masculine
0: painter. Right. right. I think
1: it's just expressing, like, the, yeah, men who are artistic, being um, able to you know, express yourself. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a very attractive quality.
0: Okay. The yeah. final uh, bullet point here is that <laughs> women actually prefer their men to sit down to pee. Sarah <laughs> <laughs> you know you're I the really... only woman in the room so yeah. we're, asking, yeah. and we're and there's I've a lot of weight on one. you on <laughs> this one <laughs>
1: uh, I, I will admit I do not like going to the bathroom and finding pee on my seat nobody uh, likes that but I don't care whether you're sitting or standing just
3: wait on the seat like on the plastic <laughs> seat I found it everywhere <laughs> then what monster
1: it was in there I'm uh, no comment <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I don't. I just feel like if you're using someone else's space or your own space, just um, be respectful of it. Um, be, but yeah, I don't know. I've been in disgusting public washrooms, uh, women's public washrooms as well. Everyone's everyone's terrible.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's your that's your study. And, and that's really, my and, personal.
0: And, study, and yeah. if you're just starting today, how does it come up? Like do you have a do you bake? Yeah. Yes, I love baking. Uh, do yeah. you paint? Oh, I'm a very good painter. Do you sit down and pee? Yeah, like there's yeah. not a question that comes up very easily or often. I don't think. Yeah. No, no, I, yeah. I,
2: I don't know, Dan. What's your style?
0: Well, uh, the style.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's when well, you're peeing.
3: Unfortunately, it is standing. But uh-huh. I, I, you know, I've sat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll admit that. I've sat. <laughs>
0: So, uh, this movie, Great, 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 which is playing in Toronto, Winnipeg, Ottawa, and Whitby this weekend, is about relationships. It's about how people talk to one another. It's about the things that people say to one another. In the last few minutes of the show, uh, let's talk about Rowan Atkinson saying that we must be allowed to insult one another. He thinks that we've gotten too politically correct. We thinks that that in terms of, of uh, just our normal discourse, that we should be able to push the envelope a little bit and say... Things that that I don't know if he, he doesn't want people to be hurtful, uh, but there's a law uh, in the in the UK that bans insulting words and behavior. And he says when you start banning words and insulting words, that you're running down a slippery slope because eventually they can just start banning whatever. You I'm can start fam- banning whatever speech. I'm not familiar with this law. Yeah. What is that? Take it's mean? new. It's fairly new. Okay. Uh, it's a new intolerance law as part of the public order act to uh, to have a um, well what he says, it could have a chilling effect on free expression and free protest.
3: Yeah, I, I think this plays interestingly into the earlier topic of uh, satire mm-hmm. because because on one hand you're we've got this idea of like, we can't possibly say anything far enough. Nothing, nothing goes far enough to get through to Trump because it's, like, too crazy. And then you've got this other side that's, like, that's like well, there's now a law preventing people from saying anything insulting. Um, so it's just, it's, um, it's presenting, like, a very confusing contradiction to me, which I, I don't understand, really.
0: Well, do you think, though, Sarah, if we say, okay, you know what, we, we can't use, let's just say we, we can't use the word turkey anymore, we're taking that out of the the like we're banning the word turkey just in time for Thanksgiving. Just in time Whoa. for Thanksgiving, Whoa. but we're, we're we're banning the word turkey, uh, and people go Oh whatever I can I can work around that I can use poultry instead I can I can probably do a work around. Right. But then the next logical step is that mm-hmm. next year they decide to ban more words, and and depending on who's in power means that they could potentially limit your ability to express yourself.
1: Yeah, I don't. I think, yeah, banning language. I don't know. It's very Orwellian. Uh, I, I, yeah, I feel like I, I don't know enough about that law or Rowan Atkinson's quote. But it, it does. The idea makes me uncomfortable, though. As an artist, I don't.
2: I find not, it you. funny that mm-hmm. Mr. Bean, who <laughs> never says anything, feels compelled <laughs> to is so compelled something. to uh, yeah. Th- yeah. take take offense to not being able to insult. I don't know. I, I I kind of feel that that insults are flinging before our very eyes on social media and yes.
1: everywhere. People everywhere, people so angry. you know, talk everywhere. radio, <laughs> yeah.
2: whatever. People people uh, have no compunction about insulting. There are certain words that I think collectively in the culture become no longer uh, acceptable, and I th- I think it's okay to. Um, Accept that because words, words can be hurtful and and
1: And how do you Like banning an insult Like how do you Qualify an insult I don't know Well that's the thing How do you qualify it Yeah We
0: actually have to Leave it there We're just going to Let it hang in the air All right. People (laughs) uh, people can make up Their own minds About Rowan Atkinson And (laughs) (laughs) insulting Or insulting Rowan Atkinson I don't know Oh I would never Uh, The movie is called Great 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 It's playing in Toronto Ottawa Winnipeg And Whitby It will be in other cities soon The show's heard across the country So you never know In your city Keep your uh, eyes on the local listings for it. Uh, thanks to Sarah, Daniel, and Richard. Uh, thanks for coming by. Thanks to Andre and the board, and thanks to you for listening.